Hello, everyone. Welcome into localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and you've joined us for Executive Decisions, where the focus is on CEOs and other executives, touching on subjects vital to the success of these positions and the individuals who have earned them. Today, we're speaking with Patty Azzarello, founder of Azzarello Group, and an individual who had taken on the role of VP and GM of a $1 billion, that's billion with a B, a $1 billion software business at HP called HP OpenView. That was at the age of 35 and then became the CEO of Euclid three years later. She's also the author of the book, Rise, Three Practical Steps for Advancing Your Career, Standing Out as a Leader, and Liking Your Life. You can find that at risebook.com. Patty, how are you doing today? I'm well, thanks so much. Uh, Now, we have a lot of things to get to here and just really talking about sort of the roles you've had and maybe some of the keys to success. We did want to give our listeners a a quick breakdown of your professional career. I know I touched on a little bit, but um, anywhere you wanted to go and just fill our listeners in a little bit on yourself. Sure. I've, I've spent my whole career in enterprise technology. I've spent half, about half of my career in marketing and the other half in general management. But there were a couple of exceptions there. My degree is actually in electronic engineering and computer science. And I started as an engineer, and I worked in a deep research lab in robotics at Bell Labs in New Jersey. (laughs) Should have been a dream job for an engineer, but I absolutely hated it. So sorry (laughs) to all the engineers out there that would have loved that job. But I was drawn into the business side of things Mm -hmm. and worked my way into, into marketing positions um, I've also been in sales. I've managed sales organizations, and I have uh, managed software development organizations. So a few things, but pretty much half half of it in marketing and half of it in general management with respect to those other things. I've worked at large companies. Um, as you mentioned, I was running a large business at Hewlett Packard, and I've also worked at small companies. I was the CEO of a Silicon Valley firm called Euclid. And for the past six years, I have now been running my own company, Azarello Group. I guess, was there a turning point then in your career where you really thought, you know, I, I want to get into more of this executive role, so to speak, and really go for that career as opposed to what you were doing? Yeah, you know, I knew I didn't like being an engineer. Right. And as I got more into the business side, what I realized was that I was just way more fascinated with the management of business okay. than with the content of business. And one of the clues I got was I started reading a magazine called Sales and Marketing Management. And this was when I was still in technology. And I loved this magazine. (laughs) And one of the things that I've, I've realized is that it's important to pay attention to what you like to learn about, Mm -hmm. because what you like to learn about is really a good pointer to what you're naturally good at. And I'm a big believer in building your career on your natural strengths. And so Early on, I realized that I loved hanging out with general managers and talking to them about about what they do and how they make decisions. And that was kind of when I realized that that's where I'm headed. That's sure. what I want to do. Well, of course, you couldn't go right from you know the engineering on the floor side of things, so to speak, into these bigger positions, especially talking about uh, you know, the VP and GM role that you had at HP and then being a CEO. And of course, now you're running your own group. What was the magic formula, so to speak? That's what our listeners always want to know. What did this person do to attain these positions? How did they work their way up? What was the key to success for you or, or some of the keys? Yeah, you know, that's a great question because I think a lot of times people look at executives 
and feel like they were just dropped out of the sky into that right. <laughs> executive position. And it's how do you get there? And the answer to that question really is one of the big reasons why I wrote the book Rise, which is I got there at every level, starting at a you know crappy entry-level job like everybody else does mm-hmm. and worked my way up to general management and, and ultimately to CEO. And I learned a lot of stuff along the way. And I had great mentors that helped me figure out the things no one was telling me and, and spot and avoid all of the landmines. And so the way I summarize what the, what the magic formula is, is really the outline of my book, which is three things, do better, look better, and connect better. Mm. And very briefly, do better is about making sure that your work has enough impact and you don't burn up all of your time on just being busy. And you're always questioning the value of your work, understanding the business, understanding what would have more value of the business, and educating yourself and pushing yourself to contribute more value all the time. That's what do better is about. Look better is about making sure you're not invisible. Mm. And this is where I see so many careers get blocked by just ambitious, hardworking people. Sure. And they do work and they get stuck because nobody can see it. So you have to be aware of building your credibility and creating visibility for the work that you do. And then finally, Connect Better is about getting support. And the most successful people are not the ones who are so good they don't need help. <laughs> successful people are the ones that get the most help. And particularly, if you want to be a CEO, you have to be able throughout your career to continually be building and adding to the network of people who care about you and are willing to and want to help you. And that is a, that is a big, big factor. Well, not to go too far off topic in terms of what we were originally going to talk about, when you talk about connecting better and having those mentors, I mean, do you have any advice or tips when it comes to creating those relationships or who you should really be focusing on and how that works? Because I do feel a lot of people, whether they're looking for a traditional job or they're looking to be in an executive position, that is a struggle to make those actual relationships without sort of feeling like they're, I don't know, using someone in a way. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking at my book Rise right now. It's chapter 15 is called Get Help. <laughs> <laughs> and the subtitle says Success is scary, not comfortable. The outlines how to go get and use mentors. And I have to tell you that in my career mentors had the biggest impact. Okay. Outside of my own efforts. So I really recommend that you make sure you have at least one mentor who's about 10 or 15 years older than you are, who's been there, done that, and they can point you to all the things you're not seeing. Mm. I also recommend that you make sure you, you are always opening up relationships with smart people that you can learn from. And the way you do it, you don't have to walk up to people and say, will you be my mentor? You just have to say, could I buy you a cup of coffee? Could I get 10 minutes of your time and ask for your advice? And when those conversations spark say, this was great. Could we do this again? Mm. And after you do it a few times, you can start to say, you know, I'm beginning to think of you as a mentor. And it's really as easy as that. And I liken it to, you wouldn't, well, I I wouldn't. (laughs) It seems silly to try and climb Mount Everest without a Sherpa and a guide. Mm. 
I feel like trying to build your career and to become a CEO without mentors is the same thing. You could try, but why on earth would you? I think that's great practical advice for our listeners to hear. Even in terms of a couple of the inside tips there you had, I think that will help maybe bring that into focus a little better. For yourself then, you talk about needing help and and different aspects that you might have to overcome. What were some of the challenges that you really had to endure? Off the top of my head, I, I just saw... To me, being at a relatively young age when you're taking on these larger positions, of course, the idea of you being female, always people wonder, is that an obstacle to overcome? I mean, were those issues for you? Were there other things that you had to sort of break through to get to the positions you were in? You know, there are always there are always obstacles. And I think one of the traits of people that make it to CEO are that you have a thick skin mm. and that you are persistent and you keep going despite whatever obstacles come right. up. For me, certainly being young and being female, when I was at HP many years ago, I was just like a total weirdo (laughs) in that regard. It was a very male-dominated culture, and I was I was really young. And it's it's so when I look back on it, I spent so much of my energy pretending to be older, Mm. trying to keep my age a secret because I thought, oh my God, if they find out, then the game will be over. I remember there was one time where we were having a celebration and I was at a whole table of like 10 people and they started telling stories about the moon landing in Uh 1969. (laughs) And I didn't have a story. (laughs) I I was too young for that. And I was just in a panic. And so by the time... The story got halfway around the table. I thought, boy, this is not fizzling out. And as it got two people away from me, I I got up and I went and hid in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) There you have it, folks. Future CEO (laughs) hiding in the bathroom, didn't want to talk about the moon landing. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so, so I think it's just, it's crazy. We're all humans. And CEOs as humans have to deal with their insecurities. And we all have them. And so for me... My age was this source of insecurity, and if I had it to do over again, I would have advised my 20-something and young 30-something self to just, because people did respect me. I was smart. They respected the work I was doing. The people on my team, even though they were all older than me, they loved working for me, and I just should have been more confident and taken ownership of that sooner and spent more energy on moving the business forward and demonstrating my competence and less energy at hiding in the ladies' room because <laughs> I was afraid somebody was going to find out I was too young. <laughs> but I think there's one, there's one really important point here, and it was about that turning point. And it was when I first became a general manager at the age of 33. I was the youngest general manager at HP at the age of 33. Mm-hmm. And as I was starting that job, I had an executive coach, a VP of HR, and a media coach all tell me, Patty, give up this pretense about pretending you're older and just be yourself. Mm -hmm. Your actual authentic self is actually much more powerful and much more credible, and you're going to be much better off if you do that. And that really was a transformative point in my career and my ability to to move up and to move forward because I got this tremendous amount of energy back where I could just show up and be true to who I was. And it was scary in the first moments to not have that I'm older and more serious act on. 
but it worked so well, and I was able to build my team and build that support so much faster by being authentic and being true to myself that that was one of the things that really allowed my career to take off. And I advise executives about this all the time. Great piece of advice there, and definitely something our listeners can take for themselves. As we look to move forward in terms of you know, being in these executive-type positions, whether it is specifically CEO, um, you know, it might be just running a smaller company or, or whatever it might be, what do you see as being the biggest concern if you're in that position? I mean, just from your experience, what's the thing that maybe it just should be the main focus or should be the most important thing? You know, uh, any kind of general manager or CEO when you wake up in the morning, what your job is, is trade-offs. You always have to be making trade-offs about which thing is more important to invest in, whether it's your time, whether it's budget, whether it's where you try to innovate. You can't do everything. And there's always pressure in every company to do more stuff than you can actually do. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, the, the most important concern that a general manager or a CEO needs to have is to ask yourself every day, am I making the right trade-offs and am I being clear about it? One of the things where I see leaders really fall down is when they sort of shy away from making clear trade-offs and decisions because they don't want to hurt one group's feelings or they don't want to get into an argument about resources. So they just kind of let the decisions be a little bit vague, hoping that their teams will work it out amongst themselves. Mm. And you're not doing your job (laughs) if you're doing that. You have to be very clear about this is the decision that's been made. This is the trade-off. This is where the resources are going. Now it's up to all of us to make it work. Right. With that in mind, then, what do you see as being those really important personality traits or characteristics, or even, I guess it could be skills in a way, that you would say you need to focus on these or you need to hone these in order to be successful in a position like this? You know, I advise a lot of people who want to become general managers and CEOs, and there's one mistake I see a lot of people make, and it's to think that they need to, I call it kind of collecting all the cards. Mm -hmm. If I want to be a CEO, I need to get experience in in products and marketing and sales and finance and HR. And you could spend your whole life collecting (laughs) all of those cards and getting all that experience. And it's completely beside the point. The experience that you need to get is the experience managing all those functions, not doing all of those functions. Okay. And so I think the most important thing you can do to get yourself ready to be a CEO is spend time with CEOs and really learn from them how do you manage product development? How do you manage sales execution? How do you measure people? You know, what is your definition of success and failure in these particular areas? And start developing your your confidence and your repertoire for how you would manage those functions if you were the one in charge. It's not that you need to know how to do them all. In fact, you want experts in those functions. Mm -hmm. And as a CEO, you want to be expert at getting all of those things to come together and move and move the whole business forward. Sure. Something that we get asked a lot about in terms of being in these executive positions is the thought of stress and pressure and what are some things that really bring that on? Is it is it the unknown 
possibilities? Is it something that you're dealing with day to day? What has been your experience, maybe what you've heard from others that really creates sort of that uneasy stress or pressure that many people think just comes with the territory? It's an interesting question because as a CEO in your company, you are in a culture of one. It's only you. Right. So the board of directors, they have their peers on the board and your staff, they have their peers and everyone else in the company has peers and you are absolutely alone. Hmm. <laughs> so. That's an interesting thought. I, I never really thought about it that way, but yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think just again, from a, from a human standpoint, a big part of that stress comes from the fact that you are a culture of one and you're getting pressure from the board and you're getting pressure from your organization and you're getting pressure from your customers and from your partners. And there's no one on that team with you. So you need to figure out how you are going to deal with that. So back to mentors. Mentors, again, don't climb Mount Everest without a Sherpa and right. a guide in an oxygen tank. You know, make sure that you are building a personal advisory board of mentors that you can go through to deal with these pressures and stresses. Because if you just try to do it all by yourself, it, it really does become, does become too much. Another source of stress is that the board is never completely aligned. Mm. So it's not like the board comes to you with one voice and says, do this. Right. The board comes to you with conflicting voices. And so you need to sort all that out while you're trying to run your business operation and while you're trying to keep your customers and partners happy and keep the business moving out in the, in the public. So what I learned is that as a CEO, whatever your grand intentions are about what you think your job is, don't ever dream of booking 100% of your time to do that. Mm -hmm. It's more like 30% of your time. <laughs> you get to deal with the important things that you feel like you want to do. Mm -hmm. And the other, the other part of the time you're dealing with, with the organization and the board and the crap that creeps up that you just have to deal with. And then the other third of your time, you just have to be out in the world, you know, with the financial analysts and with the customers and and working on the vision and the strategy from an external perspective. That is extremely important to know and for our listeners to hear, especially those who, you know, maybe they are looking at possibly moving into one of those positions shortly. Uh, that's definitely a good perspective to have on it. On the flip side, what would you point to as being maybe some of the, the perks, some of the positives of being able to be in a position like that? Again, it may not be specifically just CEO, but something comparable in an organization or if you're running your own organization what would you point to as being, again, some of the positive sides of it, not just all the pressure and stress? And if, if you are somebody whose natural strengths um, align with what it takes to be in one of those kinds of roles, it can be a really, really fun and great role because you can, you can do a lot. I think one of the things that always appealed to me is that when you can have an organization and a big team of people and you're all aligned on the same on the same mission the things that you can accomplish are just pretty exciting mm -hmm. compared to what you can do all by yourself and 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 in a small team and so you really do have that that big lever to be able to make a difference in the business in the world and 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 make a difference for people i know one of the one of the most rewarding things for me personally was the careers i helped build when okay. I was a CEO and a general manager. Sure. And I found that to, 
to absolutely, absolutely be a perk. Um, some people love all the travel and getting to see the world, and some people hate all the travel. Right. <laughs> it's up to each individual to decide if that's a perk or not. But I have to say that there are places in the world that I would not have seen if my executive job didn't send me there. And I now have friends all over the world that's as cool. a result of having spent time in those places. And that is a super good perk. That's cool. That's, and you're right. Some people may love that aspect. Some people may hate it. But uh, it's important, as I said, to, to just get that perspective, too, so people don't think it's all uh, stress and pressure and, and eventually you're just going to hate it. Uh, clearly, people love doing some of the things that you've talked about. We are right up against the time here, but I do want to ask you if you had any last pieces of advice, again, for any individual who maybe they have aspirations to move into an executive position or they're, maybe they're new to the spot and they're, uh, they're currently working on some things, what would you offer up to them as a, as a close? So one of the other things that I put in the book because I think it's so vitally important is to remember that you can't get the job without the experience but you can get the experience without the job. Hmm. So if you are going after a big job, a general manager job, a CEO job, go find people who do that job and offer to help them and get some experience thinking and working at that level. Because then when you go after an interview for that job, even though your resume doesn't have that title, you have actually loads of experience in doing the job that you're going after. And that is one of the most pivotal things you can do to get there. That is a terrific piece of advice to leave off with today, and that will bring this episode of Executive Decisions to a close. Our guest today has been Patty Azzarello, the founder of Azzarello Group and the author of Rise, Three Practical Steps for Advancing Your Career, Standing Out as a Leader, and Liking Your Life. And again, you can find that at risebook.com. And of course, she also has touched on a lot of those subjects here with us today as we've talked about the CEO position and really any executive position uh, that you might possibly attain. Patty, thanks again for bringing us your experience perspective today. We definitely do appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, Tim. It was fun. Of course, as always, we would like to hear from all of you, the listeners, as well. So just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you do have any comments or suggestions for any of our podcasts here at LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later. 